Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 8 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. As I said last week, we're going to be doing a three-week pro- um, uh, series. This is the second part of the series where we're going to be looking at the different investment vehicles that one has in order to put money away in an investment. Last week, just to recap, we went through the difference between savings and investments, and we basically highlighted that the difference is that with savings, one has an almost certain outcome where you know what the interest rate is, and therefore you can work out what the net return will be or the net outcome of your investment will be, <coughs> whereas investing, by its nature, one takes a certain element of risk on board, and therefore it's a little bit less predictable as to what the outcome is going to be, and it works on the premise of the greater the risk, the greater the potential return, and that's the difference between really investing and saving. We then went and spoke about retirement annuities, and we spent... Um, about 20 minutes discussing the different um, mechanics thereof and thank you to everybody who emailed me, who SMSed who sent in requests and questions so I'm just going to quickly go through those um, issues and we're going to highlight them but what I've done today is I've brought in a little bit of assistance just in case there are things that you want to ask that need a little bit broader understanding and um, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Charlene Kneer to the the studio. Charlene, welcome to Chai FM. Hi, Avi. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Charlene, you've got a, law, a degree in law, you've got a degree in financial planning, Correct. and you work in the financial planning industry. So we'll get into that a little bit just now um, as the questions come through, so we'll answer them. No but problem. Charlene, maybe let's just quickly look at the broad outline of what a retirement annuity is. So my understanding is that it, it is a product that is designed primarily for retirement savings. Correct, Avi. A person puts money away on a monthly basis. There are certain um, tax-free amounts as 27.5% of your taxable income up to a maximum of 350. And most of us should have the problem that we hit that 350. Um, Correct. And that's deductible. Um, just to quickly explain what tax deductible means, it's often a, a great confusion. What does tax, tax deductible mean? Let's use a simple example. You earn 10,000 Rand a month. And you put 2,000 rand a a month away into an RA. Technically, what's going to happen is instead of being taxed on 10,000 rand, you're going to be taxed on 8,000 rand. So that's what the deduction means. So it actually lowers the amount of money that you earn by the amount that you're putting into the RA, and that gives you a lower taxable amount. It could even go to bring you into a lower taxable bracket, Mm. but one just needs to look at that. Correct. The next thing is the money goes into this investment, and this is my investment is, so to speak, is tax-free. Mm. What does it mean that is tax-free? The wonderful thing about a retirement annuity, Avi, is that in this vehicle, you will not pay any tax. That means CGT, tax on interest, tax on rental income, dividends withholding tax, which is amazing because it makes the growth then so much higher because you don't have to deduct the tax. So let's break it down. Dividends withholding tax. You've got an aggressive um, portfolio in your retirement annuity, as aggressive as one can have these days, mm-hmm. and you're earning dividends. Yeah. And then you've got a unit trust with exactly the same portfolio earning exactly the same dividends. Are you saying to me that in retirement annuity, those dividends will not be taxed? Correct. So dividends withholding tax is at 20%. So instead of 20% being deducted off your investment amount, it just stays there. Which is amazing. So in a unit trust, it'll be 20% less on the dividend amount. Correct. 
interest income. You go into a money market or a or a a, a, a income type fund. You're earning huge amounts of interest. The first twenty five thousand is tax free. Thereafter, you get taxed. What does that mean? <laughs> so the first twenty three. Charlene, you've got to talk. Oh <laughs> So the first, so it's different, um, it depends on your age, but right. for the, most of the population, it's 23,800, which is your interest exemption. Thank you. Okay. okay. Thereafter, you pay tax. Correct. So if you've decided to, for whatever reason, be very conservative in your retirement annuity and you put it away, that same portfolio will not attract any tax whatsoever. Correct. Which is an, um, an amazing advantage compared to all the other vehicles that we've got. Right. So now we've discussed that. What I didn't discuss last week and what most of the questions were about is that's all good and well. But what happens on the other end? And I, I find that with retirement annuities, you get this confusion that floods in. Everybody talks about one-thirds, two-thirds, three-thirds, income, income tax, marginal rate. So maybe let's just go right back to the very beginning. Let's just break it down, and let's take a scenario of an individual who's got three million rand. Mm-hmm. They are 65 years old. For this scenario, there's no other money. So they've got no other properties. They've got no other savings. The three million rand in the retirement annuity is all they've got. They now walk into your office and they say, Charlene, what do I do? What can I take in cash because I want to get the most cash out? What do I need to take on a monthly basis, etc.? So let's start there. How much okay. cash can they take out? So one third can be taken out in cash. So in this case, let's say a million rand right. can be taken out in cash. And the other two thirds has to be used to buy an annuity. So which means you take those two thirds, you invest it with a company and you draw an income from that every month. Right. Let's go back to the one third. Okay. One third is a million rand. Right. These days. Can I take the full million rand and will it be tax-free? Right. So you can take the full million rand, but it's not tax-free. So it will be taxed according to a table that we call the retirement benefit table, which is that the first 500,000 is taxed at 0%. Right. But listeners must be very careful because that is only if you've never taken any other withdrawals from pension or provident funds before. So that 500,000 really is in a lifetime. And as you say that, I, I can just picture people's eyes rolling back trying to remember mm-hmm. yes that time you moved companies Absolutely. and you didn't put the money into preservation and you thought to yourself where has it gone that's considered a withdrawal 100%. yes you fixed the gutters and yes you went overseas <laughs> but the SARS doesn't care about that 100% there's a thing and, and clients often forget and then we apply for the tax directive it comes back and then the client gets taxed on that amount just at the tax directive just to mention there are a lot of people out there who still believe because it was the common practice that you can apply for a directive mm. see what answer SARS gives you and then decide what to do with it. SARS turned around and said we're not your tax consultants. Yep, absolutely. If you apply, we will apply it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't withdraw it. Can't withdraw it, can't negotiate it that is it. Set in stone going forward that's a, what a, it will And be. again, so Shani, I know I'm, I'm diverging but I no, think no, it's no, quite no. important when people move money and we need a directive in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And people owe SARS money. And they're expecting to get a certain amount paid out to them. Mm-hmm. And a paltry amount arrives compared to what they were expecting. That's because SARS is the creditor of first recourse. They are going to take the money first. 100%. So if you owe SARS money and you think you can do a hop, skip and jump around it and not take it, 
Not going to happen. SARS is going to take their portion, mm-hmm. and then you'll be given. So a lot of people are happy about that. Okay, we'll just go off our back and we're done. Mm. But if you're relying on the money, remember that only that which is due to you after tax will be paid out. Correct. Okay, 100%. now we're back at the one-third. So okay. first 500000 is tax-free. Correct. Thereafter? So thereafter, um, from 500000 to $700,000, you will pay 18%. So that's still lower than if you think about your marginal tax rate. Correct. And then from um, seven hundred, uh, from 500000 to seven hundred, uh, sorry, it's 18%. From seven to just over a million is 27%. Okay, so anybody really earning... Um, about five, six hundred thousand rand a year would be in that bracket anyway. Mm, correct. Okay, so it's a tax that you would pay, but just to bear that in mind that it is a slight. What is the maximum tax rate that you'd pay? 36%. Okay, which is quite high for somebody who's correct. really earned modestly the entire life. Mm. Okay, so please just bear that in mind. But again, in the same breath, if you've earned modestly your entire life, it's unlikely that you would have saved 15 million rand in a retirement annuity unless you didn't eat. From the day you started working <laughs> until the time you retire. Correct. Okay. Okay. Right. So now we've got our one third. We've paid our tax. We're happy to do that. My logic with that also is that once I've paid my tax and it's come out, mm. it's so to speak kosher money. It's mine. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about it because it's flexible. I can spend it. I can invest it. Correct. I can buy property. I can do whatever I want with it. And SARS has got their share. And mm. I don't have to worry about that money again. Correct. Okay. I like that phrase. Kosher money. There you go. It's high FM after all. <laughs> <laughs> now we go to the two-thirds. Yes. Now, this is something that I find very interesting. It is the word annuity means different things in different communities. Mm-hmm. If you go to an older Afrikaans couple, yeah. especially if they're coming from a mining background, annuity means one thing. If you go to an older black individual where... They they spend a lot of their time, again, in big corporates, mines, big factories. It means something else because these are the, this is the term that was used for post-retirement income. And a lot of older people refer to annuity as a fixed annuity. Yes. In other words, you're going to get a fixed income every month. Every for, until you die, and if you're lucky, after you die, your spouse, if they're still around, will also get some mm. money. That's called a fixed annuity. Today, the majority of people going to a living annuity. Correct. What's the difference? Right. So with a living annuity, so say you've got the two million rand, we right. take that two million rand and we invest it for you in the marketplace, and then you choose an amount between two point five to seventeen point five percent that you want to withdraw as an income on an annual basis. Right. Okay, so that 2 million rand will fluctuate as markets fluctuate. And the difference between this and a fixed annuity is if the person, the investor, passes away, this money will go to his beneficiaries. So whatever's left? Whatever's left goes to Monthly or as a lump sum? As a lump sum. Well, you can choose lump sum or monthly. In other words, the nature changes of the money once you pass away and your beneficiary can get it. Correct. Okay. Does it form part of your state free state duty? No. So it's a state duty free, executive fee free, and it'll be taxed um, in the deceased retirement benefit table. Okay. Okay. So in the deceased hands. So you are still, who's going to pay tax on that? So the deceased estate. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that money comes out. Something that I found, especially in 2016 and 2017, we had very muted market returns, mm-hmm. is people turn around to me and said, hold on, my income this year is la- less than my income last year, and we didn't change anything. And that's simply because we've kept a fixed percentage. 
So 2.5% on a million will give you an amount. 2.5% of 980,000 will give you a smaller amount. Correct. And that's why it's very important to know when your annuity anniversary date is mm-hmm. to either revisit the percentage yes. or a piece of advice. Um, I shouldn't say advice over the radio, but something to think about is to change it from a percentage and say, next year, if 2.5% was giving me 10,000 rand a month, please make sure I get 10,000 rand a month. And that that ends up being 2.8 or 3.1, it's irrelevant to you. Right. Because what's irrelevant to you is the income amount that you're getting. Yes, if it is, if it goes from 2.5 to 3.1, there could be a potential erosion of capital. Mm-hmm. But that's just part yeah. of, the, of horses for courses. You have to take it from there. Absolutely. I invite you into the studio and then I do all the talking. <laughs> do you think we should take a break? <laughs> Let's take a quick break, Charlene. Sorry about that. We'll be back in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 22 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for all the questions that are flooding in. What I'm doing is that as Charlene and I are going through the issues, I'm bringing in and incorporating the questions. So please keep them coming in in 34519. You know the SMS number. You can call the studio if you have a question, but SMS is a lot easier so we can see them, we can answer them, and we can get through. If it's something that you really don't understand or you want want me to go through in more in detail or you want just to read some articles about it go to my facebook page michelle posts almost every single day as to what's going on there was a very nice um a, a post two days ago about different unit trusts today we're definitely going to post something about capitech which i'm very upset about and we can discuss it maybe a few minutes towards the end um almost feel a bit betrayed when you hear news like that. It could be nonsense, mm. but unlikely. Anyway, Charlene, let's come back just to let listeners know if you just tuned in. Charlene Kinnear is a, uh, has got a degree in law and she has honors in financial planning. And we're going through the second series of uh, three parties of different retirement or investment vehicles. Right, we discussed the one third of the RA. The, the two thirds is two and a half, between two and a half percent and seventeen and a half percent. Now that gets paid out to into an individual. That two thirds, that two million in our example, mm-hmm. the money that sits there is that taxable? Not at all. So that's uh, that's a lovely attribute of a linked annuity as well. So like the RA, there's no tax inside a linked annuity. So no capital gains, no tax on interest, no tax on rental income, no dividends withholding tax. Now what happens when it hits my bank account, that monthly amount or that annual amount? How does the tax work on that? Right. So the tax on a linked annuity is according to your marginal tax rates. So whatever income tax you pay is the income tax that will have to be paid on your income from a linked annuity. So if a person turns around and says, hold on, I've been retired for the last five years. Mm-hmm. I've really been living a little bit of rental income. I've been living on this and living on that and I'm doing odd jobs and I haven't paid tax. Fix. SARS doesn't even know where I am. All of a sudden, you do this fancy stuff for me and now SARS wants to know where I'm getting the income from. Is that something that people should be aware yeah, absolutely. So the, the income that you draw will definitely be taxable. So there's no way around it, no way to avoid it. You will definitely have to pay. I suppose the lower, the, if it's a small amount that's below the threshold, the tax threshold, Correct. then you can get away with it. Correct. Okay. So tax threshold being 75,750. Is that monthly or annually? Annually. 75,000. Mm. So that's called 5,000 rand a month. Yeah. So if you're drawing an income, but total income below that, then, you, then you're below the radar. Okay. What happens in a scenario, and someone's just sent this question through, where your capital starts decreasing and you need 
the certain amount of income. So the two million rand was giving you five thousand rand a month, mm-hmm. but after a couple of years, that two thousand starts dipping, and the mo- if you keep taking five thousand, your capital is going to diminish. Is there any way of arresting that, or is that just the nature of investing? Um, my opinion is just the nature of investing. If you need a certain amount of money to sustain your lifestyle, you're going to need to withdraw that to um, to survive. So it's the nature of investing where your capital at some point is going to be starting to er- erode because your income percentages that you're drawing is higher than the returns that it's making. Okay, so what the, the listener really wants to know is how can they avoid that? So you and I haven't discussed it, so let's just brainstorm off the top of my mind. The f- to me, the first thing... There's two things that go hand in hand. Number one, the funds that your money is invested in. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be a little bit more aggressive to try to get a better return. Mm. But then remember, when the market goes backwards, you're going to get very muted or you can even negative returns. And if you're drawing income, that can affect that capital amount greatly. And the second of all, the second thing is the amount of income you're drawing. Mm. Um, You know, I often feel that once you go north of 7.5%, it becomes very, very difficult on a sustainable basis to keep capital intact and continue to draw income. Correct. You know, interesting because on the way here, we got a phone call just about that comparing a rental on a, on a property with capital appreciation mm. as opposed to selling that property, taking the money and investing it and trying to get the same return. Mm. Whereas if you push the return too high to try to get the same outcome, you would definitely have capital erosion. Whereas on a property, you might have capital, um, capital appreciation, depend, you know, regardless of the rental that you're getting. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's just when clients get to retirement, normally they are very risk averse because they don't have enough time to stay in the market to withstand all of these volatility, to wait for the market to recover. So we find people in retirement would rather want to go moderate to, to conservative, um, which always brings me back to the point. The earlier you can start saving, the better. It's not about timing the market. It's about your time in the market. And the earlier you can start saving for retirement, compound interest, so that when you get to retirement, your capital will last longer because you can withdraw smaller smaller percentages. I think withdrawal is also a crucial word. You should be making one withdrawal in your lifetime. And that's at the end of the game. Mm, mm. You know, you know, a colleague many years ago said to me, you know, a client wants you to get out of an investment, but there were penalties. He says, if you buy a ticket from Joburg to Cape Town mm. and you knock on the pilot's door over Bloomington and you say, look, I want to get out. He says, the pilot says, fine, take it, but you shouldn't jump, but you take the risk. <laughs> yeah. The ticket is from here. My job is to deliver you to Cape Town. Mm. You want to jump out halfway? You, uh, it's a bit of a facetious um, example, <laughs> but that's really what uh, these things Just are designed right. not to have multiple withdrawals mm. because all you're doing is you're pulling the guts out of the investment every time you do it. 100%. And it's very... You know, we see a lot in South Africa, people resign just to get their pension money and they come back the next week and they get reemployed. Absolutely. And um, that really is, shows the desperation. Mm-hmm. But if I haven't got a choice, you haven't got a choice. But if you can, try not to touch it. All the much better. Absolutely. And that's the wonderful thing about a retirement annuity. It means you can only access that money, generally speaking, at retirement age, at age 55 or age 65, whatever you, cho- you chose at the beginning of the investment, but um, which makes it different to pension and provident funds, where if you leave your employer, then you're tempted to take the money. In a retirement annuity, apart from all of the other benefits that it has, we talked about tax, tax deductibility, it also forces you to stay in that investment till retirement. You can't access the fund to buy the new couches, to buy a new car. 
unfortunately is often to pay school fees and mortgages. <laughs> and, and that's the reality of yeah. South Africa. I suppose it's anywhere in the world. Mm. Um, Charlene, just before we go on to, because we're halfway through the show and I'd like to spend a little bit of time of, on, on endowments. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go there, one, somebody wants to know, is there a product they can buy where they can invest in a lump sum Get a fixed return every month mm-hmm. without, or a fixed return every year. In other words, an income every month without worrying about the capital. So I think they're talking about a guaranteed Indeed, income, yeah. which means, uh, please explain how that works. 100%. So you've got a lump sum that you want to invest. So the investment company will say to you, right, give us this lump sum. We'll pay you an, uh, an income of the following amount. And at the end of the five-year or ten-year period, this is the amount that you'll get back. So we'll preserve your capital, pay you an income. And give you your capital back after the investment period. Okay, so the logical question is, why would you want an investment like that? And clearly there's a place for it, I know I've done it a few times, <coughs> but who would look at such an investment? I think it's for conservative clients, a lot of clients that doesn't want to take the risk in the marketplace. They want to know, right, this is my interest, this is what I'm going to get. So this those conservative clients that want the guaranteed return, guaranteed income, that's very risk averse. Those of you who are listening who have been through very good times the last six, eight months. But prior to that, had sleepless nights watching your investment literally ping pong all over the show where your capital went up and down and then for long periods of time it did nothing but went south. This is an option that maybe you should look at. Yes, over a rolling five-year period, I think one could do better in maybe balance funds or a mixture thereof. But if peace of mind is what you're looking for and you need X amount every month and you want to get your capital back, this is a vehicle for you. So um, I always give an example. If I had to walk into into a showroom, and a Toyota showroom, and there was a Bucky on sale, single cab, a 1.8 diesel, and it was going 50,000 rand below the, the, the normal price, it's irrelevant. I don't care if they're basically giving it to me. I don't need it. I don't want it. I have no purpose for it. <laughs> it's, it's just the next chap might walk in. He's a young plumber starting out. He looks at this thing. He says, I can buy a bucket. It doesn't break down. Mm. It comes with a service. It's, it's the best thing in the world. Mm. And yet I look at him and say, hold on. We, we buddies. Why do you want it? And because our needs are totally different. Understood. And therefore one has to look at your needs and match the product accordingly. Correct. Um, just another thing that I just want to quickly put in the mix, and I hear this all the time. I hear unit trusts are rubbish. I hear X company with a particular logo is rubbish. And one thing that I just want to point out is that particular investments, whether it's retirement annuity, a unit trust, an endowment, a tax-free, they are legislated shells as to how the investment can run. The engine, the funds that you choose is it really determines how that investment works. Mm. And if you've taken a fund, you know, something called Smooth Bonus was a very popular fund 20, 30 years ago, which very simply what the company said is that when your fund does very, very well, we'll cap it and we'll hold a bit of that reserve back. So when it does very badly in the lean years, we can add it back. Mm. And really what it was was just a dud. It just <laughs> You never got the great returns. And when it went down, it went down. And you could never work out where this protection was coming in. Mm. And they underperformed. Now, if you turn around 20 years later and you say, this is the reason my investment hasn't performed. Yes, that, that is the reason. But who's the reason behind the reason? It's your money. Yes, you might be a neurosurgeon, you might be a teacher, you might be a florist. Mm. The advice is around, it's available. Listen, every radio station has a, uh, has a, a business show. There are financial advisors 
all over. Mm. Yes, they're getting fewer and fewer because the qualifications are getting more and more stringent. Yes. But avail yourself to and ask the questions. It's your money. Mm. To turn around and say that company X did me in when they just didn't do anything because you didn't engage doesn't make them wrong. Correct. We've got to take ownership of our own money. And that's something that I can't express enough. Mm. You know, say I trust somebody. If you go to a doctor and the doctor says, oh, that little thing on the, your arm, I'm cutting your arm off. Do you trust the doctor? He said, no, I want a second opinion. Mm. But when it comes to money, you say, okay, fine, cut it off. Mm. Go and ask, check, learn. Correct. I always say financial planning is 85% common sense. Mm. The 15% is what you and I bring to the table. The Correct. experience, the skill, the know-how. Yeah. But if it sounds like I want to amputate your arm for a pimple, mm. then go get a second opinion. 100%. Do you agree with me? 100% I'm okay. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> right. Charlene, we're we halfway through the show. Let's, let's move tack um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Retirement annuities have their space. Yes. And they are important, et cetera, et cetera. But people often come to and say, I want to save. I just want to put money away. Whether it's for it's my kids' schooling, mm. whether it's for my domestic worker where I'm paying a salary, but I just want to create a little nest egg on the, on the side just quietly so that... Should she leave, I've got the sevens package. Mm. Should she be with me for many, many years, I can really give her gratuity at the end and say, you know, thank you for not being with your kids, but being with my kids. And, and you know, this is what we've done for you. Mm. Could be a young couple who get married and they literally just they haven't got food money. Mm. But they want to save towards bigger and better things. We've got an endowment and we've got a unit trust. Correct. Separate your bank account. Mm. What are the basic mechanical difference, differences between the two? Right. I mean, um, and it comes back to what you said earlier about it really depends on the client's needs. So if you're sitting with a client, you're not just talking to the different vehicles, but you, you're actually sitting down with a client and you're finding out their needs, their tax brackets, their time horizon, how long they want to save for. And then according to that, you then see where to invest for the client. So these two wrappers. So when it comes to a unit trust, it's a flexible investment. You can have access to your money whenever you want, where an endowment is more of your long, medium, long-term investment where you can only have access to your funds five years or 10 years after you start investing. Now, tax is also a very important thing because in a unit trust, you're, you pay tax. The tax is in the investor's hands, which means that the investor pays tax on interest, capital gains tax, according to their marginal tax rates, where when it comes to your endowment, which is more your medium to long-term investment, the company pays the tax according to what they call the five tax approach, five funds tax approach. Um, But generally speaking, just in layman's terms, an endowment will be taxed at 30%, just generally on average 30%. So if you've got a client and their marginal tax rate is only 25% or 20%, why would you put them in a vehicle where they're going to pay 30% on the investment returns? Because that's 5% more than they would have paid Correct. in a unit trust. Correct. So, so then you would rather put them in a unit trust where they can pay tax according to their marginal tax rates. And that's how one chooses basically which investment to go into. Correct. What happens if the investor turn, turns around and says, I've tried unit trust many times. I bought them at Pep and then I bought them at Edgar's <laughs> and then my cousin's friend's yeah. uncle. And, and every time I needed a new car tire or I needed stationery, <laughs> I just liquidated. Give me something where I can't do that. Correct. Is so, it worth paying the extra 5% on the potential tax? 
yeah. to make sure that the client can't access the money? Correct. So if the client says, right, 100%, if the client says, look, he's accessed the money too many times, he wants a long-term investment, he doesn't want access to this, then he can invest in an endowment. Keeping in mind that you are allowed one withdrawal or surrender over the lifetime of that um, of that vehicle. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's go into an endowment then. I, I, is it a lump sum or is it recurring? Uh, either or. Okay. So you can choose which one. Right. I come to you and say, Charlene, uh, my wife and I want to put away 3,000 Rand a month. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the basic mechanics of a an endowment? I heard you on the radio. Our tax bracket is above 30%. Okay. So therefore, we'll be saving tax on the, on the, on the growth by going to an endowment. Mm-hmm. What are... What's the structure? How does it work? So, if let's say it's three thousand rand a month, so you just so you go to an investment house, you open an endowment wrapper, you choose the different funds that you want to invest in. Depending, Can I on choose is absolutely my call. Absolutely your call. If you've got a financial advisor, of course, that's advisable so that they can advise you. They can work out your risk appetite for you. They can tell you if you can go more aggressive, more conservative, or perhaps moderate. Then you choose funds according to your risk appetite that was established at the beginning. And then you invest your different funds. So you can choose from two funds to 20 funds if you want to. Across the board, according to your risk appetite. So I can go, you know, no risk being cash money market market. or income funds all the way to pure equities on the other side. Correct. Can I use EFT in it? Uh (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you can't. Why not? Can you? Ooh, Avi. I I think there are special endowments that I'll decide for EFT wrappers. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's go back to the areas we know we're quite comfortable (laughs) with. Um, right, so now I've chosen the funds. I'm putting in my 3,000 rand. Okay. How long do I pay fees and, and costs on this endowment for? So for the duration of the investment. Okay. What is the minimum duration on endowment? Five years. Okay. Is there a maximum? No. See, even if a company says to me, oh, this is a 10-year investment, but I can withdraw after five years if I wanted to, correct? Correct. Regardless of the company, because it's not company-specific, it's a legislated system as to how it works. 100%. Okay. Have you ever had a scenario where a client's withdrawn uh, during the five years <sighs> because there was an emergency mm-hmm. and there was a very big letter sent out with big, bold letters? Yep. You have used your one withdrawal. This company does not now allow second withdrawals. Please sign below that you understand this and you didn't. And then this emotional call comes a year later to say, I know I signed this, but you need to understand and you need to appreciate and you're not in my scenario. And I just say to people, please, you need to appreciate what you're dealing with. Mm. Again, a guy thing, you use a car. (laughs) If you take your normal road car and you take it over Sani Pass, don't take it back to Toyota, Toyota and say, my Etios has got a broken this and a broken that and the suspension is useless. It wasn't designed for that. Correct. You took it to the wrong place. Mm. Yes, it's a car and it's a sort of a road. But come on, you've got, you got to be – so that, that's an important thing to understand. Is Very that important. Emotions don't come into it when you've got a crisis because mm. legislation is legislation. 100%. Okay. The expression is often used, my money comes out tax-free. Mm. What does that really mean? 
right. So I think a general idea in the marketplace is they say endowments are tax-free. Oh, it's wonderful. It's tax-free. It's not tax-free. It gets taxed at 30%, but it's taxed inside the investment wrapper, which is the endowment. So when you get your money, that is after the 30% has been deducted. So what you get out of your endowment after 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, yes, you don't have to pay tax on that because the tax has already been paid inside the vehicle by the investment company. We need to take a break, but when I come back, what I want to discuss is quickly the statements that one looks at with their endowments, mm-hmm. because the ostrich comes to play here. We see one figure, we see another figure, we just choose the higher one, and we just pretend that's what we're going to get mm. paid out. Let's take okay. a quick break, we'll be back in a moment. RV on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It is 12.42. That is 18 minutes to 1. Thank you once again for joining us or if you've been with us, for staying with us. In studio with us is Charlene Kinnear, who is a financial planner with many years' experience in both the legal field here and overseas. And we're simply going through the second part of our three-part series about different investment tools. And Charlene, one thing that um, I've seen many, many times is if you look at your statement on your endowment, it will always give you two figures. Correct. Every company is different and every company lays it out differently. Mm. But there's a figure that says fund value. Yes. And then there's a net value at the bottom. And they might use different terminologies. Invariably, someone say, but hold on. Fund value is fund value. Mm-hmm. Why, where are you stealing my money? Absolutely. We're showing you what the money is prior to the just tax. having to tax the tax. Correct. So the bottom figure is what you really need to take. 100%. Which also shows you, again, that it's not a tax-free vehicle. It is tax. It just shows you the tax that it has to, has to be paid before you get your net value out at the end of the investment. Somebody wants to know, what happens if you want to pull out entirely from your endowment? So you're three and a half. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know, emigrating. You've had enough. You decided you're going to go and become a cattle farmer. You need all the... Can you cash out your endowment in full? As long as you haven't had a prior withdrawal. Yes, and you haven't. Yes. Then you okay, is there no restriction? No. Okay, it's not capital plus a certain percentage. I think it is. So I think yeah. you, you can only take out the capital you've put in plus a certain amount of growth. Right. And, and the, you know, the balance would have to stay until the end. Right, of course. Yes, okay. you're right. Abby. So just, just to also just bear that in mind. And again, all the insurance companies will give you a quote. Yeah. Ask them for a paid-up quote. Ask them for a withdrawal quote. So you can see what it is prior to doing it. And uh, I just want to say something very, very clearly now. There are many companies and many older companies out there who are making life very, very difficult for financial planners and therefore invariably for the clients because the financial advisor's job is to get the information. The company is not forthcoming anymore. They're saying the client needs to ask mm-hmm. and we will send it to the client. And they don't even do that anymore. So, you know, you can wait a day, a week, a month asking every single day. And then the excuses come in about systems being down. What invariably that does is people make decisions without the information. And it's not entirely their fault. Decisions need to be made. Life goes on. Mm. So, you know, if there's anybody out there in insurance companies where you are not being forthcoming with information. It is important that's done. Invariably, it's the client's money. And the client has a right to know. And I'm often surprised where we said, you know, the, the service lead time for this answer is three days. Yeah. But yet, if a client calls and throws his toys, he gets it almost immediately. Correct. So, you know, I think it's very important that we, we always remember the client is the most important person in this 100%. scenario. 100%. Right. 
So we've worked out, we've gone through the endowment. The bottom line is the money comes out tax-free mm-hmm. because it's already been paid in it. You can withdraw the whole lot subject to a certain limit should mm-hmm. you want to. What sort of return can one expect in an endowment? Hmm. I'll be you the expert on the investments, uh, return side of things. Um, of, after five years, yearly, what are you... Okay, well, it's a bit of a loaded question yeah. because it's all got to do with where the money is invested. Correct. So one thing that I, I think that we can say now with with great certainty is the days of double-digit returns almost mm. taken being taken for granted have come and gone. 100%. Yes, certain funds, especially with offshore elements, have done very well. But in the last three weeks, there's been a tremendous pullback. Mm-hmm. We just need a strong RAND and you corrode all those things. So diversification in the funds is absolutely important. But please, please, please be realistic with your returns. Yeah. So be realistic what the funds can return and what their mandate is to give you, number one. And number two, go look on the open market what you're getting elsewhere. Mm. What is the prime rate? What you're paying on a loan from the bank for your property. And if you gave that same amount that you took for two and a half, three million rand from the bank for your property and you gave it to the bank in a fixed deposit, what would you get? Mm. Now, there used to be quite a big difference between the interest that you would get and the investment return. That's very, very narrow. That's narrow, especially in South Africa with very limited growth in the country, mm. huge amounts of uncertainty. And, you know, one swallow doesn't make an old, doesn't make a spring. Just because you've had a couple of great months doesn't change the fundamentals of where that money is invested. Mm. And you've got to look at the big picture. Correct. Just again, another one of my pet peeves when a client says to me, well, I could have done better in property. And my answer was, maybe, but how much property do you own? No, no, I'm, I'm just saying. Mm. So stop just saying. If you're going to make a throwaway comment like that, go and investigate property. Mm. There are many, many, many ways to, to, to skin this cat. There Absolutely. are many roads that lead to retirement. Yeah. And that's something I can really encourage people to investigate different ways of doing it. Mm. Just this morning, I called a good friend of mine to say, where does he buy shares? What platform is he using? And he mentioned a certain bank. Mm-hmm. So I said, hold on, but I'm using the same platform, but you can put in your calls. You know, others, you can put in your orders, but they only buy on the 25th. And he said, no, I buy all the time. He sent me the link when I looked at it, it had the word securities prior to it. Oh, right. In other words, it's the bank's share dealing platform mm. instead of going on to your normal. And that's all it was. So there I learned something from somebody who's been doing this for many, many years. Mm. Um, we discussed fees, we discussed costs. So a good friend of mine gave me everything I needed to know in a five-minute conversation and he was in the car whereas I really would spend a day two maybe longer yeah. doing the research so go out there and have a look Absolutely. and if you feel you can do better you can do better mm. just my last word on shares just before we go to the break is people often ask me what's about shares shares is the fundamental backbone of any economy every company is listed of, 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 of note is, is listed on the um, on the stock exchange but if you're going to go and buy shares, please make sure, number one, you get the right advice. Mm. You understand the risks involved. And if you think that you're going to make a quick buck, yeah. uh, I think you're looking in the wrong place. Anything to add? No, I agree with you. Great. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. 
Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. We've got about six minutes until this great show is over. Charlene Kinnear, thank you so much for being in the studio. Thank you for coming through. Absolute pleasure. Been, I think we added a lot of value, and it's sometimes it's so nice just to spend an hour thrashing these things out and a lot of mm. questions have come through we've answered them and I think I hope you've added a lot of value to the listener 100% I, mean, I think it's so important for clients in layman's terms to understand these things because I find a lot of times even financial advisors or people in the industry they just talk way above the client's heads just throwing around terms and terminologies it's so important to go down to layman's terms and tell you exactly how things work exactly how things are taxed I think that adds a lot of value. You know, you just got me remembering when I when I first started in the financial planning um, scenario. You know, I had spent a couple of years in university. I thought I sort of knew what was going on, mm. and that particular manager who was a very successful in his own right. And every time you went to ask a question, or you went to ask how things worked, or what things were, you sort of walked out feeling absolutely stupid. Mm. Like, I don't want to go back because I have no idea what he said. I'm not quite sure what he's talking about. And he, he's rolling these terms off flippantly. As time went by, what I realized is that he knew his stuff, mm. but he had absolutely no interest yeah. in sharing the knowledge. Mm. So it was a bit of a smokescreen to just to get rid of you yeah. and to make you think that he was good, which he was. Yeah. But if your financial planner can't explain things to you, what's your feeling on that? I know. A financial planner should be able, one of the key roles of a financial planner is to educate clients on their financial situation and on ways to invest, on ways to reach their personal goals, to make sure that they understand things so that they can take ownership of their financial situation. I mean, South Africa has a shocking savings rate of only 15%, 15% of South Africans save towards retirement. Um, that's where the financial planner's role comes in, to make sure that they convey the right information and knowledge to the client so that they can take ownership for their financial situations. You know, I was going to discuss you know, trust, but I think we'll leave it for, for next week because it's it's a topic on its own, but just in the last four minutes, something that never ceases to amaze me. If you use certain software and you do a retirement scenario mm. and you say to a person, you know, it's, it's a bit of a theoretical question, but if you had to retire today, so take your bonds out the question, take cars out, in other words, all that stuff's paid off by the time you retire theoretically. Mm. How much would you need just medical aid, food in, in present value? Mm. And, you know, a 32-year-old says to you, um, 30,000 rand, 35,000 rand. And you put it in and then you hit the tab button and up next to it comes the future, future value. value. And the person looks at it and you see them counting the numbers, looking for the decimal. And the answer is, you mean I'm going to need 200,000 rand a month mm-hmm. when I retire to buy the same basket of goods that I can pay 20,000 or 30,000 rand for Absolutely. now? And my answer to them is, what was your first paycheck? Mm. And you go like like this nostalgic look like <laughs> I got three thousand rand my first paycheck as an articled clock. Mm. Or, you know, I was an apprentice and I took home something very, very modest. Well, what are you earning now ten years later? Ten times that? Twenty mm-hmm. times that? There's inflation just in your lifetime. What yeah. was your medical aid when you got married? I don't know, but I remember that really wasn't much. Mm. We could, and now now, my medical is a big chunk of, of what goes out of my bank account every month. There's inflation in real terms right there. 100%. And that's why it's so important to diversify. Correct. And it's so important to constantly keep putting away in different mm. ways. Absolutely. I mean, diversification is so important to make sure 
different scenarios. You know, people always sit out there and they're trying to time the market. Okay, now equities, the market's going to go up or the market's going to go down or now's the time for properties. It's so difficult. I mean, people, have, economists have tried to do it over the ages and no one's been able to do it. Just stay committed. Just spend enough time in the market to to see yourself through all the ups and downs so that 20 years later you have your pot of money that you can retire with. And my two cents worth on that is that Financial instruments are not the only way to retire. Mm. There is property. There's other things. If you're a businessman and you believe in your business and your business is cash hungry in the early years, mm. that might be the best investment you could make. Mm. It's certainly high risk because you're betting everything on black. Correct. You know, if it doesn't work, <laughs> you go back. And there's people who've hit the wall mm. and they've had to start again. So it, it's quite important that the, you know, that there is a diversification. But as you, you stick it out mm. and you keep putting away and you just take it from there. Um, the last question that I just quickly want to um, squeeze in, is it a good idea to take money and invest it in offshore product? So I think offshore is, is it's, it's really good to also diversify your portfolio. So would I take all of my money and go offshore? Mm, no, I won't. I'll just use it as another instrument to diversify my financial portfolio. I, I, I agree with you there entirely, but I think it's important that when you do go offshore, the thing that you're looking to achieve primarily is to have money in pounds and dollars and yarn and whatever it is, mm. not in rands. Mm. So you must bear in mind that if you, as the rand fluctuates, you're constantly calculating have I made, have I lost. Mm. That's the risk you take in going to an offshore investment. Once the money is offshore, look at it as, as 10,000 US dollars. Correct. And now, what am I going to grow it there? Mm. In South Africa, I would be very upset if I got less than 6%. But in the States, I might be very happy with three or two. Correct. So you just got to change your mindset and have the right attitude mm. for the right investment. Charlene, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you very much, Abby. I'm always surprised at how quickly an hour goes. Yeah. Um, um, if there's anybody out there who wants to speak to Charlene, who wants some investment advice, who you know wants to speak or just discuss things, please be in touch with me on Facebook or please SMS me or email me via the studio and we'll definitely come back to you as we always do. Shaleen, thank you very much. Thank you, Avi. Great. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week.